Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Global Health Morning Rounds, where we bring you the stories of people with unique experiences on the field. Today, we are very excited to welcome Yok Pin and Rosa to our show. Both of them are core team members of the organization WISE, also known as WASH in Southeast Asia. WISE is based in three countries, Indonesia, Cambodia, and Singapore. One of their main focuses is on WASH, which stands for Water, Sanitation and Hygiene. Yokpin and Rosa both are inspiring change makers who believe in improving the quality of life of uh, communities around them through ways that empower them. WISE has pioneered multiple initiatives in response to community needs, which they continually evaluate through ongoing research. Yokpin and Rosa, it's a pleasure to have both of you with us today. Hi Celeste, glad to be here. We're so excited yeah. to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, so to start off, um, Yokpin, as the co-founder of WISE, could you share with us more about how the organization all began? Yeah, so I was doing my PhD in Bandung, Indonesia, on um, innovations in toilet facilities for post-disasters. So that was from 2012 to 2016. And that's where I met my co-founder, Dian, who was also working in the same department. And at that point, um, I felt that that things within the sector that could be done differently and should be done differently. And I was lucky enough to meet Dian also, who had similar um, goals and wanted to try something new, try some things that we couldn't do working for other organizations. And at that time, Dian was also working as a consultant. So we thought that we could use some of those consulting revenues to help us be able to try out some of our own stuff. And that same year, I think that was 2015, we were lucky enough to get a grant to do a small project. So we did a small project in Bandung and so I never looked back from there. I see. So um, could you tell us a bit more about this project you that you carried out in Bandung? Well, it's quite a, a small project uh, because um, I, I got into this um, ASEAN Youth Volunteer Program, which I think at that year, the theme was uh, water sanitation hygiene so just nice aligned with what I was doing and it was maybe a thousand US dollar grant and what we did was we worked with the environmental engineering students society in the Bandung Institute of Technology where I was uh, doing my research um, and just provided some mentoring workshops to help them think through the projects that they were doing in communities Right, to help them do it more effectively. I see. So I can tell that you really have a, a passion to um, actually uh, empower other people to make their own impact on communities as well. That's really nice. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, um, but, uh, if I could add. Yeah. Yes, right. certainly. As, as a Singaporean who, who wanted to do development and humanitarian work, right, as the years went on, right, I graduated university um, wanting to be in the sector, right? But as I got a bit less naive, um, I realized that I'm not the right person to be solving problems in other people's communities because these are not my communities. I do not know, understand the context, right? And most communities already have the skills um, and expertise to solve their own problems. So what the hell am I doing there, 
right? And so where where then I figured out I could be most useful um, was to help maybe divert divert resources or, or provide an environment where um, communities could actually solve problems on their own. Yes, I, I think that is a very important message, actually, that, um, you know, because um, volunteerism is quite a, a big thing in our world currently, but um, I think we also need to know how to do it effectively. And as you said, the communities know their problems the best. So thank you for highlighting that. That was really important. Yeah. Um, so Rosa, uh, this one's for you. Uh, as the program officer in WISE, um, could you share with us uh, what inspired you to get involved in uh, water and sanitation? Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for inviting me this podcast first. Uh, so um, I was always uh, like to work in humanitarian uh, work. So um Long ago, I applied in like Saisha Big's NGO and yeah, I failed. And then uh, I keep uh, continue to apply and then uh, because it just uh, like really need in my community to, to have such uh, people that uh, knows uh, because uh, sometimes we we have other people from uh, outside of our area that working uh working for us and so why not us like working for for ourselves so so that's why i keep like applying to uh, to work in uh humanitarian and then uh, i found wise when i was in uh, bandung and uh when i uh was in my uh study and i become one of the volunteer and i and i find uh wise have the same uh patient uh, like their approach is like more on the uh, community participation, and like, so that's why I think it's it's good for me, and it makes uh, me grow in life. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us that personal story. Um, I think it's very inspiring, especially to all of us students who want to create an impact as well. Um, so, uh, if I could just ask, um, why in particular uh, water and sanitation? Oh, uh, uh, my background is in, in environmental engineering. Uh, so um, that's why uh, before before I have a research in like in water water treatment, uh, but it's not really um, like useful in our in our uh, community right now uh, because there's uh, like no big uh, big in the industry here so that's why um i'm more focused focusing on uh uh like on uh, smaller 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 uh projects in environmental so i think that uh worst uh sector uh, wise is um like uh is uh is a step for me like in is in uh, environmental protections and since it, it is really needed in uh, our community, uh, our province is uh, is higher higher in the uh, worst uh, problems. Like there's many cases in uh, stuntings and uh, water borne uh, disease. So that's why uh, we I think that uh, it's always uh, like um, what uh, patient for me to. To work with the with the case, with what happened in uh, our community, 
yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So I see that there actually is a lot of um, inspiration behind what you do. Um, so, you know, I understand that um, lack of access to water, sanitation and hygiene is a tremendous problem which affects um, so many people around the world every day. Um, so if I could quote a statistic, according to the World Health Organization, more than 800 children under the age of five die every day from, from waterborne diseases, which you mentioned previously. So this is a terrible, absolutely heartbreaking statistic. Um, so building on your point earlier, Rosa, um, through your experiences, has, this, has there been a story that has left a particularly deep impact on you? So it's not uh, like uh, personal stories, but like we know uh, the, the cases in one village, there's a high, higher uh, standing case, standing cases there. So when we went there for like doing survey and then we we uh, we can see that the village leaders say that uh, their, their village is higher in uh, standing cases and then they uh, have uh, difficult access uh, to uh, water, do, especially during uh, summer times. And we also see uh, the elementary schools brings the two uh, jerry cans in each of their hands, like they bring to school. So it's kind of like, um, well, uh, yeah, we, we see it directly and we, we, we think that there's a, there's a problems there. So, yeah. Okay, yes. So, yeah, I, I think this is very important information for all of us to know um, because, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many problems going on in um, the entire world and I think um, you really shed some light on that. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, and actually, Yokin, because, um, you know, we really want to hear about stories. Um, so uh, how about for you? You said that you were interested in humanitarian work. Um, so has there been any um, story that has left a deep impact on you, yourself? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I don't have a particularly impactful story. What I have are everyday examples that we've seen throughout the years that really build a picture of some of the problems that we face in the wash sector, not just the wash sector, but also the wider development and humanitarian sector. So just a few examples. Um, one, I was in a post-disaster transitional camp where the residents were actually not using the toilets because they were built too far away from where they were staying. And this far away is not that far, okay? it's like 50, 100 meters, right? But this was still too far for them. And instead, what they did was they kept potties in their own homes and uh, used the potty when they needed to urinate. And the men just simply right, urinated in the drains in, uh, along the road. So, and you know, there was that happening. And meanwhile, I had a humanitarian worker tell me that oh, we, we don't have to consult the users on what they need. We know exactly what they need, right? So example one. Um, example two, um, Rosa was there as well. We visited a village in Cambodia and we realized that they had already received concrete rings and toilet bowls for 
the family to build a toilet, but they didn't end up building the toilet because they couldn't afford the cost of construction. Right? And meanwhile, the NGO that had donated these parts were probably telling other people how they had helped their family gain access to the toilet, where in reality, right, the materials were just sitting there for years right, because they did not have the, the money for the labor costs to hire the workers to build the toilets and they didn't have the skills to do it themselves. That's example two. Example three, um, we see this almost everywhere, but you get stories of, of water pumps that have broken down um, and not being used again because either the spare parts are not available in the local market or the community couldn't afford to pay for repairs, right? And they end up going to um, using the old source of, of water, which may not be as clean. So these are stories um, not particularly impactful or heart-wrenching, but these are everyday stories occurring all the time, hopefully less now, right? but it still occurs. And they are symptomatic of deeper issues within the humanitarian sector and even in, in society where personally I feel it, it's, it's a reflection of the inherent racism or classism in the sector that says, you know, I know how to solve your problems. Um, even though I come from outside of your community in a really different, complete set of circumstances, I have a right to tell you um, what you need. And um, I know what you need. Right? And it's also a system where our focus is on viewing people as numbers, right? where we talk about the number of people we have impacted but not actually speaking with the people we want to work with, really understanding what they are going through and what they need for us to help them. Yeah. So yeah, no one story, but, but examples that have just built up over the years. Thank you for sharing that, Yopin. I think like um, what Rosa shared about, um, you know, stories from her own community, um, all these may not be heart-wrenching stories, but I think they are so important because, you know, these are the things that impact people um, very much, uh, you know, in all parts of their lives. And, um, you know, once again, I really love how you highlighted that um, when we want to help people, it needs to be done the right way. And it needs to be done by um, recognizing what they actually need and by communicating with people. And it has to be done from a place of respect as well as um, authenticity and from the uh, perspective that we really don't know anything about them. So, uh, now that you've already talked about um, some of your experiences on the field, we are really excited to find out more about some of the projects that WISE has been delving into. So I would now pass the time on to Sarah and she would like to find out more about some of your projects. Hey. Yeah, thank you so much, Yopin and Rosa, for being so open in your sharing with us. I think we've heard a bit about how WISE all started and some of the experiences you've had over the years. And so let's take this time to talk a little bit more about the work that you guys do. We know that proper sanitation facilities are so important to help keep human waste separate from our water supply. And we've read a bit about the Phnom Sanitation Project that you've initiated in Cambodia. Would you like to share a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, so 
um, with the Penom Sanitation Project, we didn't go into the project with the objective of providing sanitation facilities. And for most of our projects, we don't go in with a particular agenda. So what happened in that case was we were connected to this local NGO, Nyapuan Organization for Development, who had worked in the village before. So together with them, we organized a small community meeting to introduce ourselves, what we did, and then to understand uh, what issues the village wanted to address. So they said toilets, right? Then from there, we conducted a needs assessment to understand why families were not having toilets, right? A lot of times the assumption may be, oh, they don't understand why toilets are important. Um, but what we found out through our surveys uh, was that it was mostly an affordability issue, um, at least for the lower income households. And because it was a pretty small village as well, we made the commitment to survey every single of the 100 households there, right, to show our commitment to supporting uh, what they need to to demonstrate that we were here to listen to everyone. And we also conducted focus group discussions with the women. Right then, once we had all those uh, data put together, we presented the findings to the residents and then organized a th three-day workshop kind of thing where we discussed things like, you know, what kind of design of toilets do you want? Um, how much subsidy do you think you need to be able to afford to build the toilets that you want? Right, and um, we may, some of us may make assumptions about how people want to take advantage of, of you know, be, being given such a charity, inverted commas, but they're really reasonable about it, right? They wanted a simple design that was sufficient, um, not, not too expensive, um, and they said, right, 70% subsidy is what we need. Yeah, and yeah, from, from there, they also asked us to design the questions to decide who should have a subsidy. Um, so we, we designed it, we talked to them about the criteria, right? With the pilot, we selected five households to receive the toilets. Then we paid the local builders to construct the toilets first and told the recipients that they could repay the subsidy um, anytime that they could afford it. And contrary to some of um, people's expectations, including a a local government official, right? All the recipients ended up paying their full contribution. Yeah, so that's what we did. It, it's, it was almost two years ago now because after we constructed, then we went back over a year to, to check in on how things were. Um, and now, now things are a bit uh, delayed because of COVID. But our next step is to go back to the village again and ask them uh, what, what would they like us to do next and if they still want us around. Right. I think it's really so heartening to see how you guys take the time to consult the locals and really listen to them. I guess a lot of times we want to be all idealistic when, you know, entering a community. But sometimes we just focus so much on being productive and getting things done. And without really listening to the local community, it's, it's just so easy to completely miss the point. So I think it's really nice how you guys really take the time to listen. I think that's really meaningful. Right, and next we have a question for Rosa as well. We also read up a bit on your project, uh, Story of the Land, that you've been leading in your hometown. I think it's a very interesting take on combating waste and littering in your community by harnessing the power of local wisdom and local stories. 
Could you tell us a little bit more about what that's all about? Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for that. So um, the story of the line is actually like a project uh, for collecting stories uh, in the local community about how uh, the um, uh, relationship with uh, the environments. Uh, it's it's more uh, before before um, like before the the modernization. So like we we want to know how uh, they. Um, protects the environments and how they do the growing or they uh, uh, say say to, to the land what they thinking so um, our uh, communities is quite um, like uh, traditional but but right now in transition phase like uh, we already have uh, many informations from everywhere and also in the schools we have uh, national curriculums that so it's in it's it has um both positive and negatives uh, so uh, sometimes uh the the younger uh, communities will live their um uh tra- traditional way and uh much more into the like into what they learn in schools as well um so it's 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 kind of a complex uh but in this project we want to find out how uh, the relationship uh, in order to to encourage encourage uh, our younger uh, communities to to still have the to not like it, it's quite uh, complex like to to take the goods with uh, about the local wisdom because there there's some um, there's uh, because we are um, we have the strong culture and sometimes uh, the, the the culture is not uh, unfair it, it's it's unfair for women or with children so, but in this um particular um stories uh we uh work more on like uh how the 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 culture or how the community view the uh the environment so there's a praise um in our local language like uh inetana amewatu uh that means like um mother is the land and father is um, this is a quite strong um, uh, value in our community that we we, we see uh, the relationship uh, with our line as a mother as a parents. However, um, however, uh, that's not not all people like realize or not uh, young or younger generation uh, realize that because mostly our curriculum is like nationally based and we some somehow um, learning things outside our area or like mostly uh, from people in uh, in uh, west indonesia like so and it's 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 different so we we also um in this pro in this program actually um it's it uh as you as you say that it's uh, always take longer for us um we uh we got the funding for like one year but we but this is um quite 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 longer than uh, i expected then uh i'm the one that um write the write the idea and thinking that oh uh, it should be like this and like this uh, when i go to the my community but then i found out like oh it's it's, it's quite different with with i i, I thinking uh, but when I when I went to to the village, 
and also collecting the stories and then i i kind of getting the the stories that's not like uh, what i want what i want to take so how how, how is this so, so that's what i also um found out in the uh, community so um but the the story of the land is uh, still uh, like continue in uh, in uh, until uh, like next year or in the upcoming years because we think that it's 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 a basic uh, awareness for uh, the younger communities uh, to to really um like um uh, to really take it in in take it with them like uh, as we know uh, now nowadays is only in transition it's, it's too much information everywhere and even uh children in village already uh, like watching youtube and so yeah that's that's one of the challenges so thanks for sharing all of that with us rosa i think it's really powerful how you try to use stories to inspire especially the younger ones and to really highlight the importance of taking care of the environment it's definitely very exciting to see how passionate you are about all of this as well. So we wish you all the best with Story of the Land as it continues next year. And finally, to the both of you, maybe you could share with us a little bit more about, you know, where do you see our world in the next 10, 20 years in terms of our progress with water, sanitation and hygiene? Hmm. Okay, so I don't know whether I'm being pessimistic, cynical, or just jaded, um, but I think uh, progress on WASH, um, along with progress in climate change and the sustainable development goals will continue to be pretty slow, right? as long as we live in a capitalistic society that exploits labour right, for the gains of, of those with power and privilege, and we have people not recognising everyone's basic human right to a life of respect. Any gains we have are really just superficial and paying some kind of lip service. And as it stands the way that the development and humanitarian sector is set up, really serves to perpetuate these kind of inequalities. We say work ourselves out of a job, but the way a lot of organizations work is really like currently not like that. Right, just, I mean, simple examples that add up where people give you grants to do a project over one year and they, and they want to see um, success in that one year, but they don't, um, they're not prepared to cover hmm, the maintenance costs, right, for years after that. Um, or, or people who will only want to fund direct costs, but refuse to fund the salaries of the people who, who make projects happen. Right, then how, how is the organization going to survive, continue doing good? Right? Uh, you run out of money, there's no more organizations, the, the progress and made ends. Yeah, so um, just yeah, some examples, but as long as we don't have that system where we're truly looking for long-term changes that are uh, deep and impactful, where you build facilities that last and so on, any progress we see is, is not going to last and very little progress will be made. Mm, I see. 
So, Yokpin, you kind of mentioned how many organizations are doing lots of work that comes from very good intentions. But unfortunately, it just doesn't really work out in reality and doesn't translate into sustainable long-term impact. So what do you think are some of the reasons why it's so common to have a superficial temporary impact rather than a more long-standing one? Hmm. Yeah, that's. I think there are a lot of reasons that go into this. Um, well, I think one, one main point is um, one... I think somewhat somewhat recent trend, right, is is on monitoring, evaluating impact. A lot of these indicators focus on outputs and short-term outcomes, and they are measured at the end of a project, right? They're not measured in three years' time, right? And these are indicators that are built to be easy to, to measure, right? Number of toilets built. Um, yeah, but when we go to longer term impact, these are much harder to measure, right? And we end up not measuring it. So that's one, and I think there's, there's a good book to, that's related to that called um, Why We Lie About Aid, which, which I think talks about this in, in greater depth, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, that's one. Um, that's two. Uh, I think if you are in a situation as an outsider and especially as a foreigner going in, right, you, you start with a place of power imbalance as well and not really in a place of, of trust, right? So if, if you don't have that trust where, where you know you're looking out for each other and you genuinely care for each other, then the people you're trying to help may, may not be forthcoming in what they need, right? Uh, it's pretty common to have situations where because of, of that power imbalance, if I go in and they think I'm a rich donor and I say, um, do, do you want toilets, right? They, they might think, oh, yeah, I mean, toilets are not so bad. I have greater greater needs, but you, know, you want to give me a toilet? Sure. Um, they might just say yes, or they think, hey, I, I don't want to offend this person. Right? I don't want to make this person angry. You know, I'll just say yes. Yeah. So it ends up, you end up in a situation where people think they're helping, but they're not actually. Um, and as long as there's a lot of those, I think, power imbalances, I think that's where a lot, uh, that's where you get into a lot of um, issues, right? Because nobody's really being genuine with each other. Wow, that was a very insightful answer. And um, also, thank you for um, giving us that book recommendation. Yeah, I think all of us are always learning how to um, educate ourselves more and be more aware. Um, and Rosa, maybe if I could ask you, um, so, you know, we are talking about um, the future. Um, and, you know, right now, I think climate change is uh, a really big um, issue. And I think a lot of people have been talking about it. And um, uh, have you observed, like, the impacts of climate change in uh, maybe your community in Eastern Indonesia? Uh, yeah, uh, climate change will uh, impact our community here because, um, like, we, we can see um, as uh, growing up, uh, like, 10 years 
ago or like uh, two, 20 years ago that's uh, it different in like uh, how long uh, the rainy seasons so it it affects the the um, like harvesting uh, season here uh, which uh, the farmers um, kind of like um, late in uh, growing their uh, their uh, plants so and also it affects the the quality and also the uh, productions of the of the uh what's the plants and in the farmers so um and also uh when i uh went to to my hometown it's like two hours from uh my home so in uh, my grandparents so before it was like uh, very um very cold right? uh but then uh when we go there like uh, last year uh it it's much uh like it's much heat there so uh i think uh it's it's uh so much uh changes in uh because uh, of the uh, climate change in uh, our community and uh but we um like having uh from our government they have like programs uh in tackle the the climate change issue, uh, especially in in our in our community in like in Agekeo, we have um, like longer longer drought, uh, longer yeah longer dry seasons than uh, rainy season. So that's why um um there's there's a programs like drip irrigation, drip irrigation. There's ones of uh, our NGOs um, work in in that area. Like uh, Yayasan Saomere, it's uh, they they trying to to make uh, the technology uh, kind technology that um, can adapt to our uh, our uh, environments. So there's a drip irrigation. So um, we we uh, use uh, minimal uh, water for uh, our <coughs> harvest uh, production, and it's it's runs in like. Um, Five years now, and it's kind of um, um, the government is kind of like uh, see that's oh that's quite that's quite good, and so uh, there's many uh, collaboration work between the community, the government, and also uh, the NGOs. And uh, actually, the Yayasan Taomere is one of our um, local uh, NGOs that we we help with. So uh, it's it's it's. Um, we we we've been stressed in uh, like a collaboration work that like we can uh, tackle the the climate change uh, all uh, together. So um, that's um, the the currents um, like happening in uh, our community. Yeah. I see. Thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. So. Um... I can tell that uh, your government and um, people in Indonesia, at where you come from, um, Eastern Indonesia, are actually really involved in wanting to um, tackle climate change. Um, is that the, the general sentiment um, in your community that people are very involved in um, solving climate change? It's actually like um, not, not all, uh, like not, when I say communities, like not all communities, so it's always uh, have they, we we always have their people just like uh, not really active or just some uh, people here actually will see 
si si the the the, the product first see the product first see how you do it and then uh, when you share story people will uh, follow people will uh will like more uh, active uh, more uh, participate when they see the products or they see oh there's the technology like the drip irrigation technologies like can 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 be used in our uh, in our area even we we have no uh, like uh, low amount of uh, water we, we still have the big uh, uh, production in harvest so um so when people see that there's a uh, uh, this the products there and they always like one year or two year and then and then uh, like there's more uh, collaboration and currently um, uh, we more with uh, like influence of younger younger people to do that but yeah it's it still um, having uh, challenges yeah in each. Yes, I think uh, we still have a long way to go, but I think all the um, uh, initiatives that you mentioned are actually very interesting and very good steps. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so right now, uh, we are done with all the um, serious questions. Yeah, and we'll be moving on to a very fun, exciting section, and I'll be handing over the time to Trisha. So right now, we are on to the Rojak section of the podcast. So Rojak is a Singaporean dish mixing many different ingredients together. Ooh. So in a similar vein here, we have a... Indonesia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Asian, Asian dish. Mixing many different ingredients together. So now we have a grab bag of questions. So we'll be asking four questions. Both of you can take turns to pick a number from one to ten. So maybe you can start with Rosa first. You can pick a number one to ten. Uh, five. Five. Okay, so if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Uh, Japan. Japan. Why? Yeah. Uh, it's, I want to go to see the Sakura, Sakura tree. I don't know if uh, it's because I uh, read the comic books like when I was in elementary. Yeah. Oh, like like manga. Yeah, manga. Yeah. Then, oh, okay, maybe maybe in twenty twenty two. Let's I mean see. To that. <laughs> yeah. Okay then. Uh, you can. Um. Say no way. I'm happy in Singapore. Um, wow. what you have been able to travel to quite a number of countries already like. um, and now I'm also starting to feel feel a bit more guilty about my role in climate change but I do think that a lot of us um, well this would be the top one percent I suppose mostly who, who think of travel as a right right then that holidays must be overseas and you have to go around the world but the amount of um, greenhouse gas emissions and stuff that come out of this this um, mindset that our needs trump the earth's needs is just um, we need to change if we want to avoid climate catastrophe. So that is my small part in trying to do so. It can be like Greta Thunberg. She didn't she didn't like fly airplanes. Then she just like took ships around the world. It could yes. Yeah, so one of my friends and her husband. Um, 
her husband's German. So um, af after the wedding, she, she went to Germany and they started cycling back to Singapore. So yeah, can be done. Okay, let's go on to the next number. So maybe Yuping can pick the number this time. Two. Two. Okay. So, um, do you guys have a secret talent? Multitasking. Yep. Sorry. Well, yes. Talent. <laughs> I think um one fact that, that people get most surprised by um you can't see me now but I'm pretty short. Um, is that I used to be at university the president of the football club, the women's football club. So, so I played I played football for for my university. Um, yes, and I, I guess being tiny because I I studied in the UK, I could like go under people's legs, right? So, so that's how I <laughs> I nimbled my way around people. Okay, so multitasking for Rosa and then being short for your pin. <laughs> short. <laughs> I think Rosa and I are similar heights. Okay, but only one of you took advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, next number, Rosa, I can pick. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, three. Okay, so what are some of your favourite books? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Um... Favorite books. So honestly, I've been quite busy and don't have haven't had much time to read books. So nowadays, I I listen more to podcasts, right? Which is something I can do while I commute. Um, yeah, from from Singapore, I think New Narrative is is a pretty good um, podcast to understand issues in Southeast Asia. Um, I also like the Social Breakdown, which introduces sociological concepts. Um, and that's US based, but for, for someone who's trained in civil environmental engineering, right? Engineering, it, it helps me better understand the world from another perspective. Yep. Is there a particular episode which you found very impactful? Well, for the social breakdown, I think recently there was one about the sociology of disability. And I mentioned it because um, since we're a global health podcast which um, right, talks about um, how, you know, how, how we define disability. And one interesting one was, was about how uh, people who are disabled or, or have autism right, see themselves versus people who are able see them and that, that disconnect, right? Yet, because um, people are able are the ones that dominate, dominate um, mainstream thinking, right? Then we, we exclude how um, people with disabilities would, would like to, to view, view themselves and, and be in the world. And uh, we've also created a world where they are unable to participate fully, right? Because it is us who are in the majority who have designed the world for us and not for them. Uh, super cool. Be sure to check it out. Okay, so I think now maybe one more question. Either of you can pick a number. Maybe like your pin since you're unmuted. Nine. Nine. Oh, I like this question. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? 
Rosa, how, for me, I, I have a really bad memory, um, which I'm sorry to all people who have uh, mentored me or giving me, given me anxiety, but I can't remember particular examples. <laughs> but I think the most um, um, important lesson I learned in recent years was to, to ensure that I'm, I'm taking care of myself and, and to rest when my body tells me to rest. Because several years ago, I, I did like sort of like burn out right and and putting too much pressure on myself to 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 do more and and from there that's where i started right um limiting myself to 40 hours of work a week um pacing myself and, and things like that and and that that has helped me keep the balance there yeah it's very true but not it's a very real thing i i don't think it's talked about enough especially in the charity space how about Rosa? Uh, for me, maybe um, like don't give a fuck uh, what others uh, think uh, about you and about what you do. So that's just the thing I always want to remember. Uh, it's one advice from uh, my friends. Uh, I think I have uh, problems with like or do the overthinking while um, like doing work or like doing uh, what I love. So I think that I always need to, to remember that advice. Okay, so I think the last question which you're asking is kind of similar to this. So it's, what advice will you give to students in global health who are keen to make a difference? Maybe not students in global health, but students interested in global health. Well, for me, as an engineering student at university, um, where I learned the most about development and the humanitarian sector was, was not from my syllabus, but from reading articles that people have read or, or listening to podcasts about the sector, right? Because that um, helped me learn about the like, wider sectoral issues, right? Because in, when in university you're learning, we tend to learn like the technical stuff, right? How to solve solve equations, you know, how to, to heal disease or something. Right? But we don't listen to, to um, there's at least for my course, lah, which is engineering, right? there's little discussion about the sector and, and where, where its failings were. So yeah, my advice would just be to, to read and learn as much as possible. And in particular, um, learn from people, people of color. Right, who are often uh, left out of mainstream discourse. Uh, and yeah, there are lots of people you can follow on, on Twitter, right? Just, just, just to learn more. Uh, so uh, from me, I think that as an engineering student as well, like I um, learned about like more on natural uh, science uh, before I learned about the chemistry. So like mostly spend time in like laboratorium. So um, that's why I, uh, I think uh, I have to develop like social science more on like um, understanding uh, the community, understanding uh, uh, like the dynamic in the community. It's pretty different with what I learned before in uh, my background. So um, I, I didn't uh, join many uh, organization like for just for voluntary uh, work uh, to 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 do more interaction or and to do to do like 
see what's what was the proposals in like planning and then what's what's the implement uh, implementation like look like so it's it's pretty different and how how the challenge um so until now yeah i still have like have to uh, to learn more uh, about about that so i think as the same with you so um to always learn and maybe uh joining a uh, like organization to 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 be more um involved in 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 what happened what real really happened in the community and then as we found out what really happened in the community there's this like very complex and much more on political but we um we 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 encourage like everyone of us to to not to uh get down so like, keep uh, doing what we uh, like uh, our values and our principle even even though we know there's still uh, unfairness in what happened in the real life so yeah that's from me thank you thanks so much i think it's a really great way to end off the podcast thank you both for taking the time to be here yeah, yeah thank you. see you both soon